Hello and welcome to the JNM podcast. My name is Jeanette. This is a podcast where we talk about movies, TV shows, and anything in between. If you are listening for the first time, welcome. And if you are coming back, welcome back. Hope you're doing well. Before we get into any details, I would like to welcome back my guest, Jennifer Chan. Hi. <laughs> for this episode, we're going to change it a bit. So instead of doing like a French or foreign film, we're going to do this uh, romantic comedy that Jennifer wanted to talk about. It is the 2000 romantic comedy film, What Women Want. It was directed by Nancy Myers and written by Josh Goldsmith, Kathy Yospa, and Diane Drake. And the logline is a ladies' man who works in advertising has a freak accident, giving him the ability to read women's thoughts. He uses the ability to go against his new female boss over the big ad deal with Nike. I received information from Wikipedia, IMDb, New York Post and Adelaide screenwriter blog. In terms of cast, do you want to go over the cast, Jen? Sure. Mel Gibson plays Nick Marshall. He was in, most popularly, <laughs> Braveheart, Lethal Weapon series, and Mad Max. He's also known for directing Braveheart, Hacksaw Ridge, and The Passion of the Christ. Most people know him. <laughs> yeah. And then there's like controversial stuff that's happened in like the early 2000s well like late 2000s but yeah (laughs) yeah just google him you'll probably find it (laughs) (laughs) helen hunt plays darcy mcguire the his boss and the main sort of love interest (laughs) she's been in as good as it gets the sessions and twister and she's recently been directing episodes, including The Politician, uh, Feud, Bet and Joan, This Is Us, and House of Lies. Yeah. Marissa Tomei plays Lola. Uh, and she started My Cousin Vinny. She was also in The Wrestler, Spider-Man, the recent series, and The King of Staten Island. Uh, next, we have Ashley Johnson as Alex Marshall. You may know her voice from the Last of Us series. She plays Elle. Uh, she was also in Ben 10 series and Recess, a TV show. Then you have Alan Al- Alda as Dan Wanamaker, which is a pretty funny last name, Wanamaker. <laughs> you may know him from MASH, the 1970s TV show, uh, marriage Story, I think it's been like a year or so, and The West Wing, which is like a late 90s, early 2000s TV show. Uh, next, we have Mark Furstein as Morgan Farwell. He was also in The West Wing, and you may know him as the lead in Royal Pains, which was a USA TV series. Uh, next, we have Judy Greer. As Erin, she was in 13 Going on 30, 27 Dresses. Uh, She plays a side character in Archer, the TV animated series. And Arrested Development also has like a side character. You didn't know that she was in Archer? Archer. Who does she play? Uh, she plays the that assistant that loves asphyxiation, like loves getting choked. Oh, yeah. I love Archer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you also have Sarah Paulson as Annie. You may know her from the American Horror Stories anthology show, the American Crime Story anthology show, Ocean's Eights, and Ratchet, which is a recent TV show. There are other people, like known people that were also in this film, including Delta Burke from Designing Women, Valerie Perrine, Anna Gastier from SNL, Diana Maria Riva, I think from The Mentalist, I think, or it's like some TV show, Lisa Edelstein, 
Loretta Devine. She was the door woman. Lauren Holly, she's the ex-wife of Nick. And Bette Miller, who is the therapist. <laughs> gets a round of applause. I know. I was so surprised that there were so many famous people, especially for side like characters or just cameos. It was very interesting. The backstory, this is really interesting backstory, I must say. Diane Drake wrote a spec script in 1995 called Ladies Man. And this is kind of like the basis of what women want. In November of the same year, Caravan Pictures, which is a division of Hollywood Pictures, which is also a subdivision of Disney Studios, optioned the script for 18 months. In 1996, Drake's agent sent a script to Nancy Myers as a writing sample. And in 1999, Myers rewrote a script with Josh Goldsmith and Kathy Yespa. Uh, called Head Games, based on a pitch they sold to Touchstone, which is another uh, subdivision of Disney Studios. Now, apparently, Head Games was similar to Diane's script, but didn't have the main character working at an ad agency. It was a little bit different, but had like the same bone structure. In June of 1997, uh, one month after the studio option on the Drake script for Ladies Man expired, Head Games was developed with Todd Garner, who served as an executive under Joe Roth, who was co-owner of Caravan Pictures. Myers was asked to direct it, and Tim Allen was originally planned to star as Nick. And Myers changed the title of Head Games to What Women Want based on a dialogue taken from Drake's script. So according to a New York Post article, Nancy Myers later told Paramount she never read Drake's screenplay, but the record showed that she had a meeting with Drake based on the script's submission as a writing sample. And due to dissimilarities with both scripts, Drake had her attorney contact Paramount, who was distributing the film. And on December 1st, 1999, Paramount paid Drake $700,000, officially stating the company was buying her script. Though Drake refused to comment publicly about the incident in 1999, uh, she was gr- given credit as like story by for the movie. And it wasn't until in 2012 that she did an interview to talk about the incident. And she stated that the incident was very complicated and felt that the Writers Guild arbitration section was mishandled. She does advise to writers to register their material both with the WGA and with the U.S. Office of Copyrights. She says that even though it may not protect the script from being stolen, but at least you have backup support that if you want to report claim or anything. The ad agencies that were shown or like talked about in the in the movie was loosely based on the Chicago agency Leo Burnett's and the New York City agency BBDO. The Nike representatives depicted in the film were actually real ad representatives for Nike. This was the first film to mention uh, the online auction website eBay and Logan Lerman, who was in Perks of Being a Wallflower and the Percy Jackson series, played the younger version of Nick Marshall. I did not know that this script, like, you know, What Women Want, was kind of somewhat stolen by another writer. Yeah, it had a very dramatic background. (laughs) I I know. Yeah, and even in the 2012 interview, uh, Drake even stated that it was kind of ironic that 
this happened to her, given the fact that the story is basically a guy reading a woman's mind and stealing her idea <laughs> and claim it as his. So it's, it's kind of ironic for her. Yeah. so the film starts with the backstory of nick told by nick's ex-wife daughter and assistant they stated that nick's mother was a las vegas showgirl who would bring nick to work basically i guess like every day and while growing up he would interact with women and lingerie and watch men hitting on them and they felt that this might have influenced Nick to be a ladies man and flash forward to the present where Nick wakes up at 10 a.m which I think is a bit a bit late for someone who has like a job yeah (laughs) I mean I would get like maybe like he comes to work at like 10 but not wake up at 10 you know yeah (laughs) Uh, so he wakes up to find his maid greeting him as she gathers his clothes off the floor. He also gets ready uh, to work and uh, heads to the agency that he works at. Before he gets to work, he stops by a nearby coffee shop. I think it's almost like right uh, underneath the building that the agency is at. And he tries to flirt with the cashier, Lola, and almost tries to ask her on a date but she refuses because she doesn't want to be stood up or be ghosted and once at the agency uh he boasts to his co-worker morgan about how he hopes to receive the promotion as creative director and move to the upper floor of the building while also excited that his ex-wife is finally remarrying However, he finds out that his boss, Dan Wanamaker, is hiring Darcy McGuire as creative director because he needs a woman to create ads for women. And he also feels that he doesn't think Nick knows what women want, which is kind of funny because like that's like the title of the <laughs> they kind of like slip it in. Yeah. <laughs> So upset, Nick goes to the wedding reception to congratulate his ex-wife on her new marriage. She tells him that he'll be watching their daughter, Alex, for the next two weeks while she goes on a cruise with her new husband. While there, he finds out uh, Alex is dating an older boy. I think like he's like 18 and she's 15. And that his ex-wife has sent her schedule to both her assistant and his assistant because she fears that he would forget and not enforce the schedule to Alex. It's something like that, that they thought they, they don't think that he can take care of her basically. So Nick returns back to work later that day and he attends a meeting where Dan introduces Darcy to the team. Uh, Nick is unenthused about Darcy and feeling that he was looked over for the promotion. And Darcy starts the meeting right off by talking about how the agency is failing to make big deals with top companies, causing them to miss out on profits. And she also states that she wants everyone to try to get in the mindset of a woman by handing them little packets that's filled with female products like was a pant- yeah, lipstick, pantyhose, hair products, waxing, because she wants them to kind of try the products later that night and kind of like create ideas of what ads they should aim for. Isn't it like um in the box that she gave out, all the products in there were looking for representation? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. She states that everyone should try it out, including Nick, because at first he was like, no, I don't want to do this. But she was like, here you go, Nick. And then like (laughs) hands him the product. (laughs) Uh, So at first, Nick was reluctant to accept Darcy as the new boss, but decides to try the products later that night. 
And while trying the products, I guess it was like when he was trying to like, like get into the pantyhose, uh, <laughs> his daughter walks in on him with her boyfriend, Cameron. Nick tries to explain what's happening, but Alex doesn't want to hear it and leaves claiming that he doesn't understand her. And she was also upset that he used one of her CDs. Um, well, he can get it. She was like, that's yeah. my privacy, invasion of privacy. Yeah. And then she's also upset that he doesn't remember her boyfriend's name. So then they leave and then he turns on like this hairdryer, kind of like talking to himself, realizes uh, Cameron's name and tries to turn around and catch up to them. But he slips on these like bath beads and basically falls into the bathtub that is somehow filled with water. (laughs) And he also falls in with the hairdryer. So electrocutes him and he passes out and the next day nick's maid wakes him up thinking that he died and while getting himself together he discovers that he can hear his maid's inner thoughts and at first he thinks that it's nothing but knows that he can hear other women's thoughts including the the door woman who thinks he is very hot (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) so once at work he finds out that the women think that he's a snob an asshole a dick and a schmuck to name a few basically he they don't like him (laughs) yeah uh so thinking that he's crazy he tries to look up a doctor in the yellow pages now this was around the time the internet wasn't so big and we had yeah (laughs) and we had these books called yellow pages that would have everything in the city (laughs) but uh he is pulled into the meeting with morgan and once at the meeting darcy first asked nick if he created any ideas um last night and he basically creates an ad on the spot after hearing one of the women thinking about the time that she pretended to have a headache in order to skip at work. And then he just creates an ad around that. And despite being on the board offensive, because I think the way that he pitched it was that, oh, like women, they don't want to like go to work. So they just like fake a headache. It was something like that, that they thought- Fake it in bed. Yeah, fake it in bed. Yeah, so uh, even though that it was a little bit offensive and they don't want to offend any women, uh, Darcy does know that Nick is on the right track and tells him to keep up the good work. After he uh, walks in on Alex making out with Cameron later that night, he tries to recreate the accident, but fails when he visits a woman's cosmetic department, I think like at Macy's. Because, like, at first he he thinks, like, oh, okay, like, I'm cured. But then he listens in on two women who were sign language because, like, they can't say it. But in their head, they're like, yeah, I'm, like, saying it. (laughs) So then he's like, no, 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 no. It's happening again. So he visits his former couple therapist, Bette Mittler, and reveals his talents. Uh, so at first, Midler thinks that he's crazy and is like, oh, let me just talk to this mental hospital that's like <laughs> nearby. <laughs> <laughs> Once he proves to her that he can actually read her mind, uh, she hangs up the phone and basically takes out a joint nearby and starts like taking a huge like. <laughs> she yeah. takes a huge yeah (laughs) so after she calms down she tells him that even though it may be annoying for him he can use it to his advantage causing him to make a plan to take over darcy's job so a way where she's like 
this is like the greatest thing that could possibly happen like you could the world could be in your hands you know <laughs> yeah because <laughs> like I think she was saying like that's what we all wanted for men is to understand what women yeah <laughs> So then he like walks out like happy, excited. And then he first stops by the coffee shop and asks Lola on a date, agreeing that they would take things slow. He meets up with Darcy, who tells him that Nike is shopping for a new ad agency and asks Nick if he would like to help out. Their boss, Dan, enters the room and asks them their thoughts on this ad idea that he has Nick waits until Darcy thinks about how she feels before telling Dan his idea, but it's actually Darcy's idea. This causes Nick to receive credit and making Darcy think that she wasn't fast enough to answer the question. During the date with Lola, Nick listened to almost everything that Lola thought in order to make the date perfect. And at first it was awkward. <laughs> because she'd be like oh not that like why is he like being so slow like just go and then he would go yeah <laughs> be very <laughs> but in the end uh loa had an amazing time especially during sex it's kind of like her best sex and best day of all time type of thing and he's excited he's like yes i did it i <laughs> i can use my power still <laughs> yeah while working with Darcy the next day, Nick starts to realize that Darcy is starting to have a crush on him and questions if she came up with the ad ideas or if he did. And later, Nick takes Alex to a dress store to look for a prom dress. And after Alex picked her like the dress that she's going to wear, she thinks to herself about her plan to lose her virginity to Cameron. So worried, Nick gives Alex a talk while eating at a restaurant, which it's a pretty busy restaurant. So I don't know why he's like bringing up this like topic. <laughs> like <laughs> in the food court, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is, this is too private. Why can't you do it at home? <laughs> However, Alex becomes upset, arguing that he never wanted to be part of her life. And then now all of a sudden he wants to be part of her life. And basically she's claiming that it's too late and she leaves. He also receives silent criticism from the women who overheard the conversation. Because even they're like, oh yeah, like, why are you doing that right now? Like, <laughs> she didn't eat her food. <laughs> But then some women agree with him and they're like but he does have a point <laughs> yeah it was just so funny <laughs> <laughs> so nick goes back to his apartment to watch tv but receives a call from darcy asking if he would like to have drinks with her uh, he accepts and the two become intimate after hours of talking and they kiss after Darcy was like, oh, should I kiss him? Should I not kiss him? But then because like Nick can read her mind, he goes for it and kisses her. But this causes Darcy to be like, hey, can we like keep this as a secret? Like, let's not go public about this to uh, the people at work. work. Yeah. yeah. They head outside and Darcy tries to encourage herself to ask Nick if he would like to go to her place. But Nick bids Darcy goodnight and leaves. And just before going to his apartment, Nick spots Lola outside. Now, Lola confronts him, asking why he hasn't called her back after the dates. And Nick basically lies to her, saying that he is a closeted gay. Because when Lola was thinking to herself, he was like, okay, just say it. Just say that you're gay. And then he was like, I'm gay. And he's like, oh, God. She was driving herself crazy. She was like, please, don't let it be another man who yet rejects me. Yeah. Please don't let it be another man who thinks I'm not good enough. Please let him be gay. So then he was like, yeah, I'm really sorry. I thought that I was straight, but I'm actually gay. And then she was like, oh, okay, like, you know, you're going to make 
a fine man happy and he was like yep i will (laughs) so lola accepts it and leaves him be and the next day nick finds out the messenger aaron uh has contemplated suicide as she like thinks to herself and wonders if anyone would even care if she is not there at work so then he asks his assistant about Aaron and they talk about how she originally wanted to apply for a job at the agency as a copywriter. However, Nick was the one that turned her down and even pushed her to be in this messenger position. He was like, oh, can you like make contact with her? Because I kind of want to like, you know, meet her because he wants to at least like try to fix the problem. Later that day, Nick attends the pitch meeting with the Nike representatives and it was a success. It was basically they showed a video of this woman like running on this like very long streets and then he's kind of like talking about like what she's thinking like oh like I have to do this but then like I am running like (laughs) yeah I am free (laughs) (laughs) and even though Nick helped the company win the Nike deal he feels bad and tries to write a letter to Darcy noting that he actually stole her ideas and that she should get credit for it. But Darcy comes in to the office and invites Nick to her new house because I guess like earlier in the film, she just bought a house and she's like really excited for this job. And I think because of the job, she actually was able to buy the house. So after showing around the place, uh, the two become more intimate and they kind of dance together because someone outside is like playing like jazz. <laughs> and they both love jazz. Yeah. <laughs> it's very 90s, let's be honest. Very 90s. <laughs> <laughs> very like, I'm in my 30s. I'm white. I I live in the Upper East Side. Let's do this. <laughs> so the next day, Nick goes to Dan's office to tell him the truth about the Nike ad pitch. But Dan tells Nick that he already fired Darcy and they already gave her like a settlement to like leave quietly and everything. But Nick insists that Dan should bring her back. And while trying to contact Darcy, Nick well, real tells Dan the truth that like he kind of stole all the that got them where they that got them the success in the Nike ad. Yeah, so he was like, please tell the board that he yeah. needs. Yeah. So then once he's like, come on, Ian says like he holds out the phone for him and then he's like, okay, fine, I'll talk to the board again. So while trying to get Darcy and trying to make contact with her, Nick realizes that Aaron is nowhere to be found. So he goes to her apartment in Chinatown, but as he's trying to look for the apartment, he is electrocuted by a lightning strike that hit this electric circuit box. It basically reverses the talent that he has. <laughs> and once at the apartment for Aaron, he finds Aaron to be alive and well. And Aaron tells Nick that she was about to call in sick because she didn't feel well. She also explained what she was thinking which reveals that Nick actually lost the gift of reading women's minds. He sits down in front of her and apologizes to Aaron about how he brushed her off and offered her a copywriting job on the spot. And then he also mentions that he was worried for her and didn't want her to feel alone, making Aaron feel that someone at the workplace actually cares for her. So this is this like causes her to rethink about her suicidal thoughts. He leaves and visits Darcy's old apartment and Darcy doesn't answer the intercom, but Nick leaves her a voicemail 
he then receives a call from his ex claiming that Alex was upset and tried to call her multiple times. So then he goes to the prom event and finds Alex in the ladies room. Once there, he finds out that Alex told Cameron that she wasn't ready to lose her virginity, which causes Cameron to become upset and dumps her on the spot and goes back to his ex-girlfriend. And starts making out hardcore with her. Oh, yeah. And then he says, like, oh, I should have never dated a sophomore because she's a sophomore. And I guess, like, he thought that it would be easy. So Nick tells Alex uh, that he feels bad for her, but notes that she shouldn't be bent out of shape about this, like, event. Uh, so he takes her back to the apartment and they kind of have like this like father-daughter relationship rebuilding moment. He once sees at his apartment, he decides to go to Darcy's new house to see if she's there. And after a couple tries buzzing the intercom, Darcy lets him in and Nick apologizes to Darcy saying that Yes, he, he was the one that stole her ideas and feels that he was selfish claiming the ideas to be his. Even though she accepts the apology, she fires him now that she has her job back. And Nick is like, oh, okay. So he goes to leave, but then Darcy's like, wait, wait a minute. And then claiming that, that yeah, she's like, is that it? She's <laughs> not <laughs> <laughs> yeah she she pulls the madonna it's like is that it <laughs> they kind of meet halfway in this like spiral spiral staircase and she claims that yes she still likes him and then the two make out and then that's it <laughs> that's the end of the film so what did you think about Nick? In the beginning, <laughs> I think Nick is, you know, he's kind of misogynistic and but but I guess that's why the background of the film like kind of tells you it's kind of the way he was raised, you know, around like sleazy guys who always like were smacking women on their on their uh, butts and <laughs> that kind of thing you know telling him like oh like money and women like these are the important things in life and so I think he just sort of had that view that he was always better than women but I think he, he goes through a lot of character development because I think by the end you know he, he learns that women's thoughts are much more uh nuanced <laughs> and complicated than he previously thought but he he like learns like how they think and I think it's really interesting because in the beginning he just kind of always brushes them off but by the end he's like women are the key to the world you know and he's always telling um what's that guy you know his friend's name Morgan uh, Morgan yeah he, he's always like like you don't understand women don't think like that <laughs> I love it yeah, I really like Nick. I think, like, in the beginning, it was very, like, on the border of, like, sexual harassment claims, you know? <laughs> like, if this was, like, in 2017, I think he would be the first person to get fired. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah. I do agree that he had, like, a really good character development because in the beginning, he's kind of, like, a, you know, a schmuck. He, he's almost, like, the same as Ebenezer Scrooge where it's like he's like a completely like an asshole and kind of only thinks for himself but then something happens and then at first with Nick when he gets like this gift of like reading women's thoughts he's like oh it's gonna be so easy I could just do something and then like do whatever they think of and when he does that for Lola, he realizes that, oh, it's like more complex, you know, <laughs> like, like I actually had to sit down and talk to them and ask them how they feel. <laughs> and I think that once he realizes that he took advantage of like some women, especially Darcy, by like stealing her ideas, 
he realizes that, wow, like, even though it is a gift to read women's thoughts, I can at times go too much for it, like take advantage of that gift. And I think that once he gets like the gift removed from him, then he learns how to like talk to women. And then he tells them how he feels and tries to like work with them. And then I think that's when he realizes that, oh, wow, like, I can talk to women without reading their minds. I just got to sit down and talk. Well, I think, yeah, because I think it helps him to learn to be more in tune to his emotions. I don't think, you know, before he wouldn't have known even like that they exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Very complex. But I mean, like, I think it was like a very good move on the director. I don't know if it was in the script, but as soon as he was able to start reading minds, uh, like as soon as he was in the office, they would always drop Aaron in there with a suicidal thought, like throughout the whole entire movie until he basically went to go rescue her. And I think that was smart because it kind of like gave him some, you know, intuition. And also with the other women around the office, like when he was able to read his assistant's mind from the very beginning and he was like, oh, like, she hates me because I treat her like shit. Yeah. <laughs> and she's using the company's phone minutes to call her boyfriend in Israel. And then he realizes that she has a whole like side thing going on in her life, you know, where she's like thinking of breaking up with the boyfriend. And then like throughout the movie, you know, he, he just kind of understands, you know, what women need and what they want. Because he, as he like, talks to the woman in the office and he can hear their thoughts, you know, it's very, it's, it's, it's moving, I think, to see him go through the oh yeah yeah I think I think it was a good it wasn't so abrupt because even though that he he figured out what to do that was still like a challenge that was still like an obstacle so it wasn't like easy for him even with the gift so I like that yeah I like that it was it was hard too yeah (laughs) I gotta talk to women (laughs) I have to listen? They think like that? (laughs) Also, I think it was funny that, like, not only was before, was he not, like, good at, like, uh, you know, the mental aspect of women, but he also just wasn't good at the physical aspect, because when he slept with Lola, and he realized all of the things that he wasn't doing right. (laughs) Yeah, he becomes very, like, yeah, very insecure. Because, like, his whole life, he, he's been having sex with women the same way and kissing them in the same way. And then he realizes, you know, that he sucked at it the, his whole entire life. And then I think it's funny because then, like, later when he goes out with Darcy and they make out for, like, a whole night. And when she, when they get into the cab, she's like, can I just say you're, like, the best kisser ever. And all of this is because he had that primo moment with Lola where he had to like learn how to re-kiss a woman <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah like it shows you how much how far transparency would go yeah <laughs> in this world between men and women <laughs> oh yeah uh what did you think about Darcy I think I really liked her as a as a female lead and I I, I feel like she was very respectable for all the women watching the movie you know to make it in a man's world because in the beginning of the film you know they're like oh she left bbdo and it's like a huge thing in their office like a huge piece of gossip even though like none of them know yet that she's going to be their next creative director um but next like how did she leave because i i feel like from their perspective it just seems like she's the shark at another company who Mm -hmm. was fired because that's the first question that uh nick has is he's like oh was she fired or like did she leave on her own? Yeah. <laughs> it's very gossipy. But I feel like it, it's very respectable that she was that far up in, in both companies, you know? And I think, I mean, it was because she was like a very smart and capable woman. And, uh, you know, we see it from the very first moment when she's in the board and in, in, in the huge board conference room with everybody at the new company. And she's like telling them why they're, barely making their revenue every single year is uh because they weren't part of the whole doing ads for women movement (laughs) yeah she was like there was like uh she shouts out like a big number like a something billion number dollar thing of like 
what all the other ad agencies were a part of and it was in advertising for women and she was like but you guys weren't part of that yeah <laughs> and you need to be part of that in order to make your cut <laughs> yeah I think like first off I thought it was interesting that her name is similar to the Pride and Prejudice Darcy you know <laughs> yeah because like he's supposed to be kind of like known as like almost like a pompous asshole so I I really like that she had like a guy name and I think that quality yeah yeah so I think it's kind of interesting very gender bender I also like that like she is known as like being an like a kind of like a bitch in terms of like Nick when he first heard about her but then once he starts to get to know her he realized how talented she is and how so much creativity comes out of her mind that he realizes wow like she's better than me and she deserves this creative director position so I thought it was really interesting that even though she was better than him he didn't go and continue to mess with her like he realized what was happening and then tries to fix it yeah and I also think it was really good that he while they went out that first night was able to hear the backstory of like because she was married uh to a guy at her previous company at BBDO and the reason why they had to get divorced was because it got too competitive because you know she was making more than him because she had better ideas and he didn't like it and so you know they had to get divorced and I think it was really really good for Nick to see it and see how hard it is for women in the workplace because as soon as like they're on the same level as men like they're immediately being threatened yeah it's like very like base like men see women as like a competition that once like they get up to like higher levels they think like oh like this is a threat we need to like dissolve this Right. Even though they were married. Yeah. (laughs) And I I think it was so good for Nick to see that because then, you know, he was like, oh, well, I mean, she really deserves this promotion over me. Like I, I didn't do shit, you know, I feel like she really handles things like a pro, you know, even, even through her marriage where they had to compete for work and she, she's just a good character. I like her. Like, I think like, even when like her boss, Dan, picked Nick's idea even though it was her idea like she didn't get mad she kind of just kept it calm and was like okay yeah I think that was good too she kind of I almost want to say no she didn't really have like a male mentality but she was able to play on the same level as them because I feel like the way she thought was a little bit more in a male mentality you know where she could play the game and like even when Nick gave the idea first she was like oh you need to say something too so that you can be on the same track as him yeah uh also like someone uh when I was looking up IMDB someone was talking about how in the beginning Nick and Darcy's clothes were like black and white like Nick wore a lot of blacks and Darcy wore a lot of whites and then as like the story progress like they almost become like one color I would say like a slate blue to like a gray kind so I thought that was really interesting in terms of like the production uh design and like wardrobe Wardrobe. (laughs) no but you know I mean like just kind of like right stylistic yeah I, I loved the <laughs> the production design was so like late nineties, early two thousands. Oh yeah. A lot of wood, a lot of like a lot of wood, mahogany, oak, like dark. Yes. <laughs> it's like let's make it a gentleman's club. <laughs> but it was kinda it's kinda like a good like nostalgia film, I think. Oh yeah. Uh, what did she think about Alex, uh, the daughter? I think she was very teenagery, you know. She's very dad. <laughs> Stop embarrassing me. But I, I think it's interesting that they put in the in the beginning, you know, they already put her perspective in when she's like, What do I think of Nick Marshall? He's always been more like a fun uncle to me. 
<laughs> even though he's her dad she's like a very distant sort of fun uncle <laughs> yeah and they're like forced to live together for two weeks and I think because it's you know because he can read her mind it brings them a lot closer you know there's a scene um I don't know if we mentioned it where she was with her friends and at first they all like hate him and then once he realizes by reading their minds like oh they need food he's like oh order a pizza you know <laughs> and they're like oh he doesn't care he never listens and but they he can hear them like talking about prom stuff and looking at prom dresses so then he's like oh uh how about I take you you know shopping for prom like the dress is so important and he kind of like gets on their level and and then Alex is very like, oh, I'm going to like squeeze him for every penny he's got. Like we're going to do shoes. We're going to do accessories and makeup and hair. And he's like, oh, and how about we do shoes and accessories and makeup and hair? And she's like, okay, now all of a sudden he's being so nice. Yeah. <laughs> I think she's a very stereotypical teenager. I, I like that how in the film, all of the female characters were either very strong or like showed the underbelly of women in the way yeah. that uh, you know it shows kind of like our um, the softer side you know like Erin where she has like suicidal thoughts because she doesn't think she's good enough and she doesn't have very many friends and nobody notices her but I think Alex was one of the strong female characters you know like she turned down the guy who's trying to steal her virginity and I think Nick even points it out where he's like, you know, you're so much smarter than like me. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, you're so much smarter than me. Like you can stand up to a guy and like, you know that you shouldn't care about it. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, I, I do agree that she is smarter and stronger than she thinks. Like, I feel like that because she's a teenager, she's like, oh my God, like I, I'm stuck here. I can't go out and like journey. I can't like have sex, you know, with, with guys or date older men. But then once like she gets the opportunity to lose her virginity, she realizes that, oh, wow, like, I don't think I'm comfortable or I don't think I'm ready yet. And I totally understand like where she was coming from, because I understand like peer pressure that you know, when you're a teenager, especially if you're a virgin, you're pressured to like lose your virginity as soon as possible, you know? Hot older guy, like. Yeah, exactly. So I can totally understand where she's coming from. And I really liked how the relationship between her and her father, Nick, like developed that at first, like, again, it's like, the uncle of the family, <laughs> like the fun uncle. But then over time, like he starts to act more like a dad. Like, yes, he says no, like at certain times that is important, but at least like he sits down and like talks to her, like kind of understand where she's coming from. So I like that. I also think it meant a lot to her that he showed up, you know, to, to the prom and like he took her home, you know, it was a very, I think it was a very good father, you know, daughter bond moment where yeah, she's down. He's actually there for the first time in her entire life <laughs> at a very, moment, a very important moment in her life also. Oh, yeah. And like, I could totally understand that it's like now she she has someone to rely on other than her mom or her stepfather. Like she at least has like her actual dad like there. So if something happens she could go to him if her mom or stepfather are busy or away. What did you think about Dan Wanamaker? I think he represented the patriarchy and the unequal pay gap and all things male. Yeah. (laughs) Most industries in the world. (laughs) Uh, Because even in the beginning when he's like telling Nick he couldn't give him the job and he had to give it to Darcy, he's like, I didn't want to do this like the board the board said like we needed a woman and to do all these like female ads and stuff like I wanted to give it to you and he's like let's just like let her run her course and then you know she'll be done and then you can be back on top with me he's very like I think he represented like the male ego 
I do agree that he is that like older generation of like men and still represents like the men that are in like top top executives jobs like either in entertainment or like in other businesses uh and i i do agree that like people like him uh influence like future male executives too and i think it kind of shows like still like that subtle like struggle that and obstacles that uh women like darcy still have to encounter and still have to overcome because I, I think like there is that like moment that even though it was supposed to be like a funny moment it still like showed like the in you know, the obstacles because when dan was like talking to nick it's like oh like let's like hang out like you know i have i have cigars that just came in and darcy was like oh yeah sure thinking that it was she wanted to be involved but then he's like wait you smoked cigars and she's like no no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I respect her for telling the truth. She's just like, no, like that's not who I am. Yeah, but it's like you could you could tell that she wanted to be part of that conversation. Like she still wanted to. It's yeah. it's almost like but she then realized like I don't have to be who I don't want to be. Yeah. Um. What about like the women, the other characters? What did you think about them? Like in the office or? Yeah, just like any other character that you wanted to talk about that. I did think it was good that he developed a relationship with the women in the office. Aside from Aaron, uh, there was that the a little bit larger chick who in the beginning, when he walks through the office, he's like, you don't need that. But he says it to her, like not just in his head. He's just like, you don't need that. Because she's like eating a donut or something. And then yeah. later, um, when he's with the women in the break room, he's like I understand like you gotta eat whatever you want to eat like he's just like bringing them like muffins and you know all kinds of snacks and then they all love him and she's like oh like he's not a total asshole (laughs) and he's helping another woman um like with problems that she's having in bed with her husband he's like you tell him that like he doesn't have to that you are the one who works all day and then you come home so if you're not feeling it like that's not that's not on you (laughs) I think it's very good of him to try to develop a relationship with the other women uh, after he gains the special power yeah I also thought it was kind of interesting that the two like middle-aged women that are technically his head assistants delta burke and uh perrine it was kind of interesting because there was this one moment that he's trying to figure out if they know if he can read their thoughts and he couldn't so i thought it was interesting that he can read their thoughts but he could read other women's thoughts i think what they were trying to say there was that those women didn't have thoughts oh i see (laughs) that he picked women to work for him who you know were kind of ditzy and would tell him whatever he wanted to hear which is why I think those women you know physically they had over-the-top makeup and hair and they didn't look like any of the normal women in the office (laughs) oh yeah and then they would always go to him be like oh let me take off your coat let me do this let me do that like they're always pampering him oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) but I think you know uh looking back to the break room scene I think it was you know, he realized that by talking to the woman and by making a connection with him, like when he left, he could hear their thoughts and they were like, oh, like, come back. Like, he's so great. And like, this is, I think, a moment where he realizes that he's finally doing something right with women. And this is how you like get on their good side is by listening to their problems and like giving them input and bringing them food. Yeah. (laughs) And he's like, oh, this is what it's all about. Like, now they like me. Now I have female friends. This is what women want. <laughs> and <think> scene. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, I think it's kind of interesting now that you told me about, like, that the assistants that work with him uh, don't have any thoughts. 
it makes sense why the younger women have thoughts, like they express their thoughts, but with the middle-aged women that work with him, like they don't. Well, so I think it's, those are the women he hired, you know, and that's who he wanted, that's the kind of women he wanted to surround himself with in the beginning of the film, and then like... Well, I think they they almost represent the the women that his mom worked with, or almost like his mom. Exactly. Yeah. He picked the woman who is like the women he grew up with. Yeah. And then he learns that women are much more complicated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> other women are also much more complicated. Yeah. <laughs> Overall, like, what did you think about the film? I thought it was a good film. This is a film I watched a lot when I was a little kid. I think it was just a movie my dad found in one of those discount boxes at Walmart. And so we watched it a lot. And I think as a kid, I was very, maybe it influenced me a lot, but I was very like enamored with the fact that like this guy who understands women, you know, and I guess when I was a kid, I was like, this is the guy the kind of guy who I want to end up with one day who like listens to Frank Sinatra and loves <laughs> life, but like can also treat women right by the end of the film you know in, in the beginning of the film everybody always thinks he's an asshole <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> but by the end he becomes pretty much a prince charming you know he can actually dazzle the pants off of women mentally and physically <laughs> And not just in a dirty, misogynistic, sleazy kind of way, but... No, it's, like, the the ideal, like, love-making that all women want. Right. What women want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Title. <laughs> you about your day, and he, he wants to know, actually, he, like, doesn't just bounce off of your story and go, I did something like that. He goes, oh, well, what else did you guys do on your cruise? Yeah less about him and more about you that's what we want man <laughs> yeah take some notes people <laughs> uh yeah i think overall like this is actually the first time that i've watched it in its entirety because I, I would see it like on tbs when back back in the day like when they would do reruns of it i don't think they do reruns of it now <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I remember like saying every now and then but I wouldn't sit down and watch it because I never got it but that's like now that I'm an adult and like thriving in the business <laughs> that I, I totally understand like what's happening and I really liked it that even though it's been like well over 20 years since this came out it still like has like good bone structure you know it still keeps going in the test of time i don't think it's ever going to slow down in any way yeah i just think that it's probably like a classic rom-com that doesn't make it be like oh darcy's just waiting for nick you know like any typical rom-com it's like the other way around where it's nick that realizes that oh he needs to fix himself yeah i do think you're right though that it'll withstand the test of time because i feel like as a society you know we're constantly kind of i mean there are a lot of parts in the world where women still have a lot less rights than we do here Mm -hmm. um but you know, even here with the recent Me Too movement and like, I mean, there's still like a, a quite a significant pay gap in some of the industries compared to the others. And I think as, as a culture and as a society, as we move forward and we try to equal things out, like this movie will still be here as a good, <laughs> a good reminder. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I think that's it for this episode. If you like this episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you would like to follow us on Instagram for any updates on new episodes or just, you know, want to follow us, um, you could follow us at 
J-A-N-D-M underscore podcast. You can also email us at J-A-N-D-M podcast at gmail.com. If you have any ideas or suggestions, Jennifer, do you have any plugins that you want to do? Uh, nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, So yeah, thank you again for listening and hope you come back next week. Bye. Bye.